Our second letter is from 1 Timothy 6, chapter, verses 6 through 19. This is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, encouraging him in his leadership of the church. Of course, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But as for you, person of God, shun all of this, Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the right time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It is he alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that is really life. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we remember your faithfulness even in the face of our waywardness, and we give you thanks. We know that there is no such thing as preaching without your Holy Spirit in every word spoken and also in the hearts and minds of those who would hear. And so we pray, come, Lord Jesus, because we came to hear you this day and not a human word. Amen. Nothing um, has made me feel more middle-aged 
than this idea that has gotten a lot of traction lately of quiet quitting. Are you familiar with this? Quiet quitting is this phenomenon where someone does the bare minimum in their job. Just the bare minimum. They don't quit. But they come in right when they're supposed to. They leave when they're supposed to. They don't stay late. They don't come early. They don't give any extra effort. It's called quiet quitting. And I feel so old because it horrifies me. But I have a friend who works at Luther Seminary, and she has remarked that for centuries, Christians have often engaged in quiet quitting. We have done the bare minimum to call ourselves a Christian. Nothing more. We have professed faith and not let it change us. We have been a part of a church, but rarely attend. We may be here on a Sunday, but we don't really know anyone and we don't let anyone get to know us. The quiet quitting of the church world. The problem with that is that we have proclaimed that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And if you make that proclamation, there is no minimum. We offer our entire selves to Jesus Christ. That's what we do in our baptism. That's what we reaffirm when new members join. We have offered all of ourselves to Christ, and so we are to live in this way that is not about the minimum. It's much harder. It's about forgiveness, and it's about love, and it's about commitment. It's about all of those fruit of the Spirit, some of which Paul talks about in this place. There is something about living in this way and in this community that should change us. And that, my friends, is called sanctification. It is the idea that because we have claimed that Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives and we will try to follow in his way, that in some way, and if you are like me, there are fits and starts and failures and mistakes, but in some way, we become a bit more like the people that God has called us to be. That's sanctification. And when you read about all of this advice that Paul gives about how to be a leader or how to be in the Christian community, we have to also remember that there is something called undesired sanctification. And that is all those times when we make a mistake and we grow and it was painful and we did not want it. No one wakes up in the morning and says, I'd like to be a better Christian. Let's see if I can start a fight so that I can like have an argument and then maybe grow in my faith. That's undesired sanctification. But however it comes, whether you are hard-headed like me and it often takes some difficulty to get me to grow, or whether you are growing in your study and in your community, we are a people who believe that there's no minimum. There's only offering ourselves to God again and again. There is good news, though. The good news is that Jesus Christ welcomes us as we are. Welcomes us as we are. Doesn't ask us to change all at once, which would be unimaginable, but loves us into this steady process of sanctification. 
And so when Paul is writing to Timothy or when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees about wealth, what he is acknowledging is that there are people who try to give their life meaning in a lot of ways that just don't work. And having a love of money or anything else before God will lead you to a life that just doesn't work. He also acknowledges a lot of the problem with money, which I can illustrate for you in what I like to call the worst date Brian Bolger's ever been on. When we had our first daughter and she was about six months old, we had been with that baby nonstop. And for the first time, we got a sitter. And we went out to dinner. And over our dinner, I start saying this. Do you think we have enough money saved? I mean, really. Like, if it comes down to it tomorrow and something happens, do you think there's enough money? How are we going to send them to college? This was my date conversation, hence it being the worst date he's ever been on. And then I remember saying this. It's so embarrassing. I mean, what if you fall off a roof and get a traumatic brain injury, huh? <laughs> Where are me and this kid going to be then, right? But it was that anxiety over my daughter's life that made me want to fill it with all of these things that might make us okay. And the only thing was the presence of God who can help us when times are good and when times are bad who can love and guide us when there is plenty and when we are in want. It is the only thing that can give our life meaning, a life of purpose, a life that isn't so much about us, but is about serving and loving others. That's where the meaning comes, and it is Jesus Christ who shows us that way. Today is Commitment Sunday, and if you are like me, you have said you have answered those questions, right? To become a member of a church or to become baptized. But today is also a day when we recommit ourselves to follow in the way of Jesus Christ. Because we've fallen away or we've done a poor job of it. Or maybe we finally remember that God has been faithful and loving to us over and over again when we didn't deserve it. And so we recommit ourselves to being God's people in the world. Our offering is such a small part about that because these passages, it's not about the money. It's about the heart. And committing ourselves, dedicating ourselves to being Jesus Christ's people in the world. And so to end this sermon, I want to invite you, if you would like, to re-answer those questions. The questions your parents answered for you when you were baptized. The questions you were asked when you were confirmed or when you joined a church. I invite you to answer them again so that you can remember that it is in Jesus Christ and the promise and confession that he made that we find our meaning. Friends, trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you again turn from the ways of sin and renounce evil and its power in the world? If so, please say, I do. I do. do you turn again to Jesus Christ 
and accept him as your Lord and Savior, trusting in his grace and love? If so, please say, I do. And will you be a faithful disciple, obeying Christ's word and showing his love? If so, please say, I will with God's help. I will with God's help. May these words be the center of your being. And may you live the abundant life of Christ that comes from the gift of Jesus himself. Amen.